0: It's Tuesday, October nineteenth, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, it's a birthday celebration today for Raji Davis. He's 41 years old. Indians legend Raji Davis. He uh, he hit for the cycle. He hit that now uh, you know legendary home run in Game Seven of the 2016 World Series. But I think the lasting impression that he made on the club, it's still being heard uh, to this day. Is his the, the model of bat that he used. Uh, was so, uh, you know, fancied or beloved by by members of the uh, of the Indians lineup that Jose Ramirez still uses, uh, you know, that bat, that, that Roger Davis model bat. Uh, in fact, the home run that he hit in 2020 to put the club into the playoffs against Chicago, uh, that was a Roger Davis model bat. And, and, you know, they still keep a few of them around the clubhouse uh, for, for Jose to use when he wants to.
1: Yeah, I'm sure they've got those stockpiled. Tony uh, Amato's probably got a, you know, a couple boxes full of those uh, bats somewhere in the uh, recesses of the, of uh, progressive field. Just, just in case Jose needs one. So uh, that's uh, a, that's a good story. And uh, I remember when uh, Raja came back, uh, I think he was playing with Boston and we were talking to him and we asked him what happened to that bat. I think the Hall of Fame wanted the bat. And he, mm-hmm. he said it's hanging in his house somewhere. He wasn't, he wasn't giving away the location though.
0: <laughs> not, not going to give that one up. That's a, that's a big part of, uh, you know, Cleveland Indians history right there. Cause that moment was voted. I think the the top moment in the history of progressive field.
1: Oh my God. What a moment that was Joe. Just you could literally feel the ballpark shaking. That was, that was uh
0: what could have been, you know, but for a moment, it
1: looked like, uh, it looked
0: like, uh, the Indians were on their way. They had the momentum and then the rains came. Well, uh, one team that has the momentum and, and has the offense going right now is, is Boston. Uh, they woke up uh, on offense, uh, you know, after that first game of the, the ALCS, uh, they've, they've taken the last two now after, after winning, I believe 12 to three last night, uh, against Houston, uh, you know what are you seeing uh, from this this offense from Boston? That's really sort of you know covering up any holes in their rotation just by uh, you know bashing through the the the, the opposing uh, pitching staff.
1: Well, they're on fire, Joe. You can uh, tell they're energized by that uh, by that crowd at Fenway. The crowd at Fenway is you know is, is always intense, but they're like uh, they've taken it to a different level, and I really think it's it's fueled that ball club. Uh, the, the Red Sox are hitting 296 in in the uh, ALCS. They've already hit nine home runs, a record three grand slams. They've outscored Houston 25 to 13.
0: That's that's crazy. That's nuts. And uh, you know, yesterday they they got what uh Rodriguez, you know, had a big game. He he went six innings for them. Anytime they can get that out of their pitching staff, they're they're gonna be doing well. Yeah. And, uh,
1: you know, he gave them just what they needed. Six, six innings. He gave up three runs, but, you know, by that time, you know, he was, he had like a nine to three lead. So, you know, he was coasting and uh, um, seven strikeouts, no walks, uh, you know, just really a, a stellar effort by him, especially in the postseason. especially the way we've seen starting pitchers kind of struggle this whole postseason, uh, And then offensively, Kiki Hernandez is hitting 615. J.D. Mar- Martinez is hitting 364. Verdugo is hitting 364. It's just, it's not like they've got two or three guys hot, Joe. They've they got six or seven guys hot.
0: Yeah. There was a time when Cleveland was uh, in pursuit of, of Verdugo and, and you know, was, was looking to, to make deals with the Dodgers. And his name was always coming up as, as a possibility, boy, uh, you know, he, he, he would have solved some of the outfield problems I think they uh, they had if he had been you know traded to Cleveland and, and given him time to develop. What do you think of Rodriguez walking off the mound and mocking the uh, mocking Carlos Correa's uh, wristwatch celebration and uh, and then getting a talking to from his manager? Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool,
1: and uh, you know, and I didn't put two and two together, but Correa loved it. You know, the Correa said he thought that was the greatest thing ever, but you know, you could see Alex Cora said, don't give anything to, to fire these guys up. He, he knows what kind of team Houston has. He was a bench coach there. He knows what, you know, makes those guys tick. And I'm sure he was telling, you know, Rodriguez, listen, let's sleeping dogs lie here. Let's, let's not wake, you know, let's not wake up the bear here.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, that, that really is the, sort of the thing. Cause you know, that Houston can come back around and you know, put up ten runs on their own. That offense can can really click in. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out uh, again tonight. We'll we'll get more into previewing uh, tonight's two games here in a moment. Uh, wanted to mention that yesterday, uh, former Cleveland assistant general manager Carter Hawkins was introduced in Chicago by the Cubs. Uh, Jed Hoyer uh, hired Carter Hawkins to come in and fill that that GM spot that had been vacated. Uh, you know had been vacant all year it was Hoyer's position he was promoted at, at the beginning of the year uh, to president of vi- uh, baseball operations so he Hoyer started the uh, the press conference by saying you know Carter has big shoes to fill <laughs> knowing that they were his own <laughs> shoes uh, kind of funny but uh, Hawkins really went into uh, you know just a whole litany of thanks and praise to the Indians organization so it was a, it was a nice moment. Uh, for for Cleveland and for uh, Chris Antonetti, Mike Chernoff to to be mentioned as somebody as a, a group in a front office that sort of has produced all of these uh, you know executives around the the league and Derek Falvey and you know he, he specifically thanked guys like Matt Foreman, James Harris for for their work uh, you know Hawkins did and and he recalled the. Uh, <laughs> after he said he's only been to three games at Wrigley field and he remembered being there for game five of the world series and leaving the park after uh, the Cubs had sort of rescued their season with winning uh, winning game five and hearing the fans singing, go, go Cubs, go uh, outside the bus and, and thinking, well, now instead of singing it at him, uh, they'll be singing it with him.
1: Yeah, that was, that was a nice moment. And, uh... You know, it's going to be interesting to see how they do. Uh, you know, they've got a big payroll, but they're kind of rebuilding, too. They, you know, they made all those. There was a fire sale at the, at the trade deadline. And uh, so I think, uh, you know, they're looking to, you know, kind of refurbish that, uh, that farm system. And, uh, you know, Carter has done a good job with that in, in Cleveland. So I think that's one of the reasons they brought him over there. And now, you know, so now Carter is in, he's got the bullseye on him. Now there's, he's not the assistant GM anymore. He's the GM. So that's a, that's a big step. And, uh, you know, I'm wishing him luck.
0: Yeah. It, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I guess everybody in Chicago expects him to have the, the magic formula for, you know, producing the, that, that pitching machine and, and churning out, uh, you know, drafting and producing and developing young pitchers like the way the Indians have. Over the last several years, and you know, he said, "There's no. It's it's easy to skip steps. There's no secret sauce. Uh, they they. It all comes down to winning at the major league level, and that's what they're doing. You know, the Cubs haven't really had homegrown pitchers come through. They've always they've always gotten hired guns via trade or or free agency. So it'll be interesting to see how long it takes uh, Chicago to to develop that that level of pitching that the the Indians has it have if they can." Yeah, and and you just don't snap your fingers and have a draft
1: class like 2016 when you get Savali, Bieber, and uh, Polisak. That takes some work. That takes some good fortune. That takes good drafting. And most of all, it takes development in in the minor leagues. And, you know, that's where the the program has to be set. That's where it starts. That's where the seed starts to grow. And the Indians have that, and they've been able to, to, uh, to, to keep that momentum going. And that's the difficult thing.
0: All right, Paul, we're going to jump in and dig into some of these arbitration numbers. It's, uh, it's been about a week since uh, uh put these numbers out there, and they've been floating around, and, and we've been able to sort of chew on them, ponder them, and uh, the list of nine eligible, arbitration-eligible players for the Indians uh, that have, have been sort of put through uh, MLB Trade Rumors' formula, uh, this is a, a list that's just projections. It's not like uh, I don't really even think anybody who's involved in the negotiations or the arbitration or anything like that look at these numbers as, as having any real value. But at least for for us and for fans, it's it's a good way to to get a ballpark or an idea of of what you know to expect for some of these guys uh, And you know of these of these nine Indians players. Some of them may be offered, some of them might be non-tendered, uh, some of them might be offered contracts that supersede all of this. So that's, that's something to keep in mind. Let's jump in right off the top with uh, Austin Hedges. MLB Trade Rumors has him at $3.8 million uh, in, in arbitration this year. You think uh, Hedges is going to get uh, more, less, or right on the nose with that?
1: I think he might get a little more than that, Joe, simply because, um, you know, their catching situation is they've got to make a decision on Roberto Perez. And, not, you know, I, I could, I think, you know, we both agree that they're probably not going to pick up that $7 million club option. They need a starting catcher or at least kind of a, a you know, a catcher they can rely on five times a week. And, and you know, Hank is, I mean, Hedges is a guy. He, he, he proved that last year. I mean, you'd like to see a little more offense out of him, but uh, you know he handled the staff well. He controlled the running game well, so I think, yeah, he'll he'll be a little above that.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I think he'll be above it because I think maybe they'll give him a a, a two year contract or a, a you know a, a contract with a uh, an option year or maybe a two year deal with an, a a club option and a buyout something like that uh, that where the total money would be more than uh, you know giving him three point eight million just for the year. Uh, the average annual value. Uh Nick Wickren, uh 2.8 million is the projection here from MLB trade rumors. Uh I I don't see Wickren getting 2.8 million uh after the the season that he had. I, I believe he was uh his, his salary last year was two million. Um I I say you know he might even be a candidate to be non tender Yeah I
1: I think he might be non-tender too Joe um, had a tough year. You know he the, the thing with Whitgren is he answered the bill. You know, he, he, was, he was a veteran guy that they relied on, that they that really they relied on to chew up some innings, put in some tough situations in those extra inning situations where the guy on second base uh, did not fare well there. But uh, still, uh, you know, he was healthy. Uh, but I think, you know, this is a guy that is, is a candidate for, for a non-tender.
0: Uh, next on the list, Ahmed Rosario, shortstop. Uh, Five million is the projected uh, arbitration number for Rosario from MLBTradeRumors.com. Uh, what do you think of that? Five million is that is that on the nose for you know what he what he's worth after this past season that he had, or do you think uh, you know more or less? And is there a possibility that you know there's a, a contract there for him as, as well?
1: There might be I think that's right on the nose. I think I I kind of like that figure. What did he make like 2.4 last year? Something, something like
0: that, that,
1: yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think that's that's kind of right right in the ballpark. That's a that's a fair
0: number right there. And, you know, just the the chances that he he was yeah, he was 2.4 last year, uh, and he he definitely outplayed that 2.4 million uh based on his performance last season, but uh, you know, he, so he's going to get that little bump there uh, in, in his, what, second year of arbitration.
1: Yeah, and I th- I don't know, Joe, he, he could be a candidate for, you know, a two-year deal. I, I don't know if his, you know, I think he's found a home here. He likes it. I, I think, you know, he's out in New York. Uh, I was going to say, it's home. not New York.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Fran Mill Reyes, 4.4 million is the projection there. Uh, and, and, you know, and we're not just looking at what Framil Reyes did last year, the last two years, but you've got to take into account, you know, other, other similar sort of hitters, uh, you know, DH's power hitters uh, in his class and where he is 4.4 um, to me seems a little bit low, but uh, you know, I, certainly Framil's is a guy that they've got to be working on to try and, and get him an extension or a, a long-term deal. Yeah. Cause I don't think
1: we've seen the best of him. Yeah, you know this is a guy when we saw him you know two years ago 38 combined home runs with san diego and the indians 30 this year this is a guy if he stays in the lineup you know if he plays 140 games a year you know he's got a he's got a chance to hit 40 home runs so you know i i would think 4.4 sounds fair but i would not be surprised if 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 he gets a
0: little more than that all right uh the one that sort of uh shocked me here shane bieber in his first year of arbitration eligibility, MLB trade rumors has him at 4.8 million. Uh, you know, and I figured he'd be up there challenging for a uh, you know a record for first year pitchers eligible. I believe you know Dallas Keuchel was was up there uh, at one point in 2015 uh, with at least double figures, but 4.8 million. If if the Indians can get Shane Bieber for 4.8 million, is is that something they would jump on? At, at least for uh, if they can't get a, an extension done, I think so, definitely.
1: And I think you know this year probably you know maybe hurt his uh, you know his chances at the arbitration table. Not you know he got hurt you know, but he still didn't pitch. You know uh, he didn't he didn't pitch 200 innings. He he didn't make 30 starts. And and if there's pitchers in his service group which. You know, he's, this is his first year of eligibility, arbitration eligibility. He's, a, thir, a you know, his third season. So, uh, you know, that, that might be, he might, they, they might get a deal done at that point, at, that, at, at somewhere around that neighborhood.
0: Yeah, do you think that this projection, maybe that if that idea that might sort of help the Indians in negotiations to try and get him a, a long-term contract extension?
1: You know, that's a great question. And, and I remember asking Lindor that. Uh, Francisco Lindo when he you know he started two years ago he started the season on the injured list he had an injured calf and you know just you know the vulnerability of your body you know Mm -hmm. I mean you know you're not a machine you can break down um, that 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 uh, you know the the idea of security of a multi-year deal you know is always you know is always I think enticing to players yeah but you know France, lindor said no but lindor was making 10 million a year right, right. then you know he was mm-hmm. he was you know he had gone to arbitration and and was making 10 and then he made 15 i think and you know one year on one year deals bieber isn't in that class right now so you know i think it, it you know the light has to go on especially with pitchers you know i i, I think you know they're always one pitch away from, you know, something bad happening to their elbow or their shoulder and mm-hmm. beavers live through that. So, you know, only, you, you wouldn't be human if you thought about, hey, if they're offering me what, three and three and an option or, or four and an option, you know, I've got to look into that because who knows, you know, am I going to, you know, am I, how, how far away am I from uh, rotator cuff surgery or, or whatever, you know, heaven right. forbid, right. but, you know, that, that that plays into it, I would think.
0: Right. Uh, a guy that knows a little bit about missing time with injuries, uh, Bradley Zimmer, uh, first year eligible could be, uh, projected at 1.5. I would, I would think if Bradley Zimmer isn't non-tendered, I don't think that there's any way that they, that they, they offer 1.5 million to, to Bradley Zimmer.
1: Well, yeah, again, you know, you look, you have to look at the, his service group, uh, you know, that's kind of, it's almost chump change in big league money. You know, you hate to say that and, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to keep things in perspective, but uh, I I think that's probably right around where they, if they keep Bradley, you know, that's probably right around where he'll, he'll be at maybe one to 1.5, 1.2, 1.5, right around in there.
0: I, I was thinking like 1.2. May I was thinking nothing over a million would be an offer for him to just start, but just because based on the the unreliability, you could offer him and he could take 1.5 million and then never play a game for you because he got hurt. That's that's yeah, the, yeah. the issue with him. And then, uh, and
1: then not, and like you said, Joe, he's a he's a non tender candidate. You know, what, right? Exactly. Well, you got to put that. You got to remember that.
0: Uh, Cal Quantrill on here for 2.8 million as their projected uh, arbitration number from MLBTradeRumors.com. Uh, Cal Quantrill certainly pitched like more than a 2.8 million dollar pitcher this season, but uh, I'd say that's that's a pretty fair uh, price if if they're going to be able to get him for something in that range uh, in in arbitration this year. Yeah, yeah, I would think uh, th-
1: that that makes sense to me, Joe. Right there, that that's. Uh you know, and, and you really, you know, you like him, you, you know, he do, you know what he did in the second half. Uh, and the thing with the thing that impressed me with Quantrill, you know, he started in the bullpen, was able to build himself up, had the great second half and he really didn't have any arm problems. And you really kind of expose yourself to that when, when you go from the pen to the rotation like that. And, and so, you know, you know, he, he's got, he's got a good arm and, uh, I think he's he's definitely worth the investment there.
0: Yeah, with the yeah. season that he had, I think that number might be a little bit higher than it maybe normally would have been based on you know the way he pitched and the way he performed and not just the way he, not the results, but just the the, the durability and the, the reliability that he gave you and the, the peace of mind that he did. So uh, yeah, 2.8 for, for Cal Quantrill sounds about on the nose. Would not be surprised if that's what they came to an agreement on. Uh, Josh Naylor spent the second half of the season on the injured list with a, uh, broken leg, uh, 1.2 million is the projection there. Um, you know, what do, what do you, think the chances are that Josh Naylor gets 1.2 million in a season that they don't even know if he'll be ready at the beginning of the season?
1: Yeah. And those are, and we don't know if those guys are going to be eligible,
0: right? Uh, cause they could be the super two guys, right? Right. Super two guys, uh, Zimmer, uh, Quantrill think, Ramirez and Naylor, I believe.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we, we've still got to, they've still got to set the the service time deadline, so to speak, where where these guys fall, you know, less, less than three years, more than two. Uh, but, you know, I think Naylor, yeah, obviously, Joe, I mean, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good, uh, I think, uh, target right there. 1.2. And, uh, you know, we still don't know, like you said, is he going to be ready when, what kind of program is he going to be on? Is he going to be able to, you know, play the outfield? Is he a first baseman? Is he a DH? We, we just don't know.
0: Right. Yeah. And, and, and my question is, even if you pay him $1.2 million, is he going to give you $1.2 million in value this season? Uh, that's, that's what is, is sort of the, the question is that, you know, what are you paying for there if, you, if that's what you give him? Uh, Harold Ramirez, the last one on the list, uh, maybe a candidate to be non-tendered as well so you know the 1.6 million uh projection there from mlb trade rumors uh you know it it seems pretty pretty accurate but you know maybe a little high
1: yeah you know i would like harold ramirez's chances of getting you know sticking with the indians if if uh or the guardians if they were in the national league i think this guy is is a pinch hitter this is a bench guy this is a role player that could come off the you know the bench and and fill in maybe at first base in the, or in the outfield, you know, but the Indians with the Indians, they already have a DH. This guy is a DH to me. And Mm -hmm. I I just think, you know, he's probably, you know, he's, he can swing the bat, but you know, we saw what he, what happens to him when you play him every day in the outfield, it's just, you know, it's kind of hard to watch sometimes. So I think that that might play into him being non tender
0: Yeah. He, he, He's he, project, he profiles sort of like a DH, but you know, not with not enough pop, just just a little bit low on the on the on the power numbers there to, to profile for a DH. All right, so that's Indians that are eligible for arbitration, or I'm sorry, Guardians players in 2022 who will be eligible for arbitration. Uh, just looking at the list of guys who are out of contract options, too, uh, there's there's a, a lot of movement that needs to happen here. Um, we, we were talking yesterday, uh, you know, outside of the podcast, you and I about the possibility that, that because of the high number of, of players that are out of contract options and in terms of club control for next season, uh, there's, there's a possibility that there could be some trades work beforehand.
1: Yeah. I mean, um, you know, it comes down to who do you want to keep, you know, with, you know, you got 10 players that are, that are, you know, out of minor league options that, you know, come the end of spring training, you know, you're going to have to make decisions on those guys, whether they're on your, you know, 26 man roster, or, you know, you put them on waivers or, you know, and expose them to waivers and other teams claim them. So, you know, and, and, you know, there's some, you know, some decent talent on that. There are guys that, you know, we've seen a lot of this past season, you know, J.C. Mejia. Uh, uh, Ghost, uh, uh, Logan Allen, Henkes, Parker, uh, Zimmer. I don't know.
0: Bobby Bradley. Uh, uh, Bobby you Bradley know, and Yu Chang both are, are Chang, out of Right. And Ritado that was. Ramirez and,
1: Ramir, and uh, Harold Ramirez and
0: Zimmer. Yeah. Last year. Uh, you know, the being uh, having a contract option worked against Bobby Bradley because he, he had one left. Uh, this year, we're uh, not having a contract option pretty much guarantees that Bobby Bradley is going to be on the the opening day roster, uh, unless he's he gets traded.
1: Yeah, I would think, and you know, uh, Chris Antonetti basically said that you know, in the, in the season wrap up that. You know, he's got he's out of options. They need a first baseman. He's not going to be a DH. And, uh, you know, he you know, so if, if if he performs well, I mean, he's going to be on the ball club. And I think, you know, we I mean, and I think he did a decent job in the time he had after he got called up on June 5th. So, you know, I would think he he deserves a look. What about Chang? What about Mercado? What about Mejia and Ghost and, and Logan Allen and, and Sam Henkes? you know, and Zimmer and Zimmer, you know, those are the guys that you know are kind of right on the bubble right now.
0: Well, you've got in the outfield, you've got Mercado and uh, Zimmer who were both out of options. So if they come to camp, you know, by the end of camp, there has to be a decision made. And are you going to go with a starting outfield of Oscar Mercado and left Bradley Zimmer and right and miles straw and center? Is that going to be your best option? You, uh, it, if you don't go out and trade for somebody or bring in a, a free agent who's out there, you know, those are your options in terms of, of outfielders. And I, I just, I can't see that happening. I, I really can't.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, the other teams, other teams aren't dummies, you know, they know these guys are out of options. So do they, you know, if, if you're trying to trade these guys, they're going to just say, well, let's wait, we'll wait till, uh, you know, the end of uh, March and see what happens. If we really like them, we'll try to get them on waivers. Uh, So, you know, you're kind of, you know, you're almost, if you're the, uh, you know, the guardians, you're almost kind of forced to, you look at your, you know, your, your backlog, of young talent and, and make a deal that way, you know, with your prospect deal and maybe throw in one or one or two of these guys that,
0: that, that the other team likes. Yeah, attach one of these guys to a, a, a high-level prospect, and, and maybe see if you can move them that way, and try to get something in return for them. All right, Hoinsey. So we've been through, uh, I, you know, options, and we've been through arbitration numbers. This is this is what the off-season is going to be like for the next uh, several weeks as we get closer to uh, the end of the World Series when all these dates start being finalized, and we haven't even gotten into. Uh, uh, you know, award season, which is our, our favorite time of year, uh, early November, when we start uh, seeing the, the results of the, the voting from the BBWAA and, and on the, the major awards. And then, you know, things like silver sluggers and gold gloves, those will all be coming out in the, the first week there uh, of November. Uh, looking forward to that time as well. Uh, tonight, we've got two games on the schedule. The, uh, the Dodgers and Braves will be going in Los Angeles, Walker Buehler and Charlie Morton. Uh, Zach Greinke and Nick Pavetta will pitch in Boston as the Astros and Red Sox play game four there. Uh, what, do you, what do you like uh, in, in both of those games?
1: Yeah, I, you know, uh, the Red Sox have a two to one lead. I think that, you know, they've got the momentum on their side. I think, uh, you know, I, 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 like, I like the Red Sox right now. And uh, Atlanta's got a 2-0 lead in, against uh, the Dodgers, kind of the same scenario they had last year, and they end up uh, losing that. The Dodgers went to the World Series, and the Dodgers are almost in a must-win. They got, they've, got, well, they've got to win.
0: I was going to say, who feels more pressure right now, uh, the Dodgers or, the, or who, who plays fast and loose right now? Because Atlanta, they know if they go up, 3-0 it's over and if they go and lose this game tonight and it's 2-1 that you know the momentum swings back to the dodgers and, and like you said we've seen this happen before so uh you know i, I think the pressure is more in, in on atlanta's side than it is in, in la's side i mean if, if if the dodgers lose then you know nobody's going to expect them to to rally back and come back and win that series yeah that's a good point and uh you
1: know the dodgers kind of hold the sign over the uh the you know the Braves they did it to him last year the Braves had the 3-1 lead and still ended up losing uh, that was at a neutral site you know in Arlington but still you know that that's got to be in the back of their mind and uh, we'll see what Eddie Rosario and what tricks he has up his sleeve if he's
0: still uh, on the role that he's been on uh, yeah we'll definitely keep an eye on that all right Honsie, we'll talk to you again tomorrow on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast